0: I don't want to set the world on
1: fire, I just want to start a flame in your heart. Hello everyone, welcome to our continuing coverage of Star Trek Picard and occasionally Copenhagen Cowboy but just Star Trek Picard this week. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt?
0: Doing okay, Bob. These, uh, this episode, you know, we, you and I had kind of a going back and forth throughout the episode of we're starting to lose momentum. I, I don't know yet. I still don't think we're quite there yet. I'm definitely putting down my marker on the show
1: as losing momentum. <laughs> I, I called it. I said it. I said there was no plan. I said that this season would be fun but at some point it, likes last season was fun, but at some point it would get stupid, I feel like that moment has uh, pretty much arrived. Uh, I disagree with you, Bob. It's just, it's too much, man. It's too much nostalgia. You, you know how the <laughs> kids like to to complain about being love-bombed today? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting nostalgia-bombed. Okay. Star Trek Picard is love-bombing me. I don't appreciate it. It's gaslighting. It's uh, It's gatekeeping. I don't like it. Well, let's dig into the show, Bob. We'll
0: see if he, uh, yeah. see if
1: I can change your mind. Yeah, so we're talking about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 6, The Bounty, uh, which originally aired on the 23rd of March, 2023. Nice little symmetry there. And Matt, do you want to walk us through that A-plot?
0: Sure. So on the A-plot, the Titan is forced to abandon Riker, Musiker, and Worf on Daystrom Station amidst the Section 31 Museum while the ship retreats to the Fleet Museum to seek Geordi LaForge's help. Indeed, and then in the B-plot, Captain Vedic, more or less revealed as a
1: changeling by a long, kind of weird monologue, decides to use the Shrike to kill Picard's
0: friends. Pretty interesting B-plot, I have to say that.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really not so much a B-plot, as just like there's a scene in the beginning and there's a scene in the end, you know? Yeah,
0: nothing in the middle.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, nothing, nothing in the middle, nothing in the middle. So I guess first things first, I really do appreciate that Jack Crusher is almost as bitter about Picard's android body as I am, since, you know, Picard gets to beat this degenerative neural disease he has, you know, at least for a little <laughs> while, by living in an android body.
0: Yeah, who would have thought they'd actually make a connection to season one, Bob? Uh, not me, not this guy, certainly. <laughs> Can't you see, Bob, they had a plan all along here. Well, that was the whole that... reason they put him in an android body, because his son was going to have the same disease. Let's not go crazy now. (laughs) They had it all
1: plotted out. So, and, you know, we're going to get to spoilers about this episode later, obviously, obviously. Uh, But I just want to point out that I made this remark well before I knew what was coming at the end of this episode, and that is... Do you feel like they're using Worf as data in place of data with him kind of being like the, you know, awkwardly navigating human relationships and not using contractions and
0: things like that? I kind of got what you were saying here and that Worf does have that. He's Spock or data. He's got that kind of the way he's written. That's what it sounds like
1: yeah it, it doesn't feel very much like the old wharf which i mean is you know intentional right he's supposed to have embraced new kind of more not exactly with the
0: ways of logic but something like it right right it, it definitely comes through in the writing which i mean it's fine i mean they're they bringing if they're bringing data back you don't need two characters like that so.
1: yeah i mean i i heard that you know, Worf had long wanted to do, or not Worf, uh, Michael Dorn had long wanted to do, like, a Wharf's spinoff. And I, I think there was, like, some trouble with, like, negotiations. Like, they initially apparently offered him a really low amount of money to come back for Picard, I think, which was just, like, give Michael Dorn money. Jesus. That's surprising. Um, well, wow. Yeah. But I, apparently Worf's, like, more pacifist nature was something, was taken from, like, his ideas for what you could do with a Worf show.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, we've kind of seen in the previous episodes where they just mentioned it a few times. Yeah,
1: yeah. Although, um, we do get some great Worf, uh, Worf lines here. I really enjoyed the exchange where Worf is making his peace with going on a mission with uh, Seven of Nine and Musiker as well as uh, Riker, and he's like, I've gone into battle with lovers countless times. It can be therapeutic. Seven, I'm not going. Worf, that's a relief. I was practicing deceit. Breakups in my home world seldom end without bloodshed. (laughs) That was
0: like my favorite line in this whole episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, despite the fact that I'm pointing out that it's kind of weird that they have Worf being Data or Spock when they are going to, you know, spoilers, resurrect Data (laughs) later in the episode. I I did enjoy these two. I also kind of enjoyed uh, how Riker gets to kind of play against new Worf. So you have Worf being like, I now prefer pacifism and Riker just being like, we're all going to die.
0: And I kind of appreciate the writers not going too far into the whole, like, why Seven and Rafi didn't work out together.
1: Well, it feels like they're still going to put them back together at the end of season three, kind of like they did at the end of season two. Yeah. But yeah, like, it's just kind of unspecified troubles or strains, you know? Well, let's check out that IDW comic. There'll be a tie in comic. We'll find out why. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I hope, uh, I hope we get that Shaw Seven spinoff uh, after this show, and I hope Musiker is a regular. Maybe not a, maybe not like in the main cast, but a regular guest star. You know. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I, one of my friends dislikes uh, Musiker, which just blows my mind. It's like she's great, man. I mean, yeah, it's not her fault. The writing is often crappy. Yeah, look, they haven't
0: had much to do with her this season, so. So Matt, what did you think about uh, the old Riker performance this episode? So at the point where Riker and Worf both get on screen together and start talking to one another, I feel like this is where Jonathan Frakes really starts chewing like the very dark scenery.
1: Yes, there was not a lot of light in the Section 31
0: museum. Uh, while I was watching, I think I even texted you that uh, this is where the tone sort of changed for me just a little bit. I mean, not a, not a huge bit, but it reminded me very much of First Contact. Okay, yeah, because I was a little confused when you were texting me that. Like, what, like, what, how, how did it
1: specifically remind you?
0: Like, do you remember how there was a horror story that was taking place on the Enterprise E during first contact with the Borg, and yeah, you know everybody yeah. was hiding and going into the Jeffreys tubes and all this other, you know, like, yeah, it, it was a whole thing. But at the same time, there's this weird kind of comedy taking place of like a drunk, a drunkard James Conrail, you know, on Earth doing his thing, you know, then yeah. trying to convince him. It was a whole different tone. On Earth, than what you saw on the Enterprise E. I felt like the terminal diagnosis of Jack Crusher and the whole changeling imposters, and then doing an autopsy on the changeling crash laforge Forge, and then you switch over to this weird comedic heist with Worf Riker and rafi It just, it just more just a slight change in the story. It wasn't really a bad thing for me, but I just wanted to point out that that that's what popped in my head first contact. Yeah, I I definitely see
1: what you're saying, like. That I mean, that seemed to be the signature. I want to say of all the next gen movies, but it, at least of First Contact and Insurrection was that kind of that weird kind of collision of it being very broad comedy, like even broader comedy than the original series movies used to do, and then yeah, being like kind of grotesque aliens, whether the Borg and um, in First Contact or the, I think it was the Baki in First in Insurrection. Although that said, I, I thought I thought it was kind of interesting that you thought the time on the Section 31 museum was comedic. I mean, I guess it sort of was, but to me it felt like there was a lot of tension. I mean, there's just no lighting in the scenes at all, and you do a lot of jump scares. Now, admittedly, it kind of turns out, you know, comedically with them finding Data and resurrecting him, but I felt like they were trying to sort of play play it as, like, weird and creepy more than just comedic.
0: well to it didn't really come off that way, and I think part
1: of that was Freak's acting. He's been more subdued in the the earlier episodes and we get him like in full like you know suit ju- you know kind of almost like junior kirk scenery chewing here yes so were you more unnerved by the attack triple or the hollow crow the hollow crow speaking of uh, unnerving things in the section 31 museum
0: well i thought the attack triple was brilliant and worse fear it was both like you know funny and canonical the whole Tribbles and klingon whatever history they have had together mm-hmm. the hollow crow didn't we talk about crows appearing on the cowboy show a few weeks ago I believe we did, yes. Oh I wow, we did. There's the first similarity between the two
1: shows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but as Picard, as Picard season three arguably turns bad, I'm now feeling more justified in shoehorning Copenhagen Cowboy into our cover. Okay. <laughs> so, did you remember
0: what the what the Hollow was from? I didn't. I know, but I, I think I read somewhere it was from an episode with that. Uh, yeah.
1: There's a late, uh, maybe it's season two, there's a late two-parter in Next Gen called Birthright mm-hmm. where Data turns on his ability to dream. It's actually got the, uh, that's actually the episode where Dr. Bashir appears uh, in a guest appearance on Next Gen. So I think it must be season six. But yeah, Data, Data turns on his ability to dream and he, he dreams of
0: crows. Is this the episode where he uh, troy's a cake? Well, that's phantasms I'm thinking of. Okay, is that is that a Season 7 one where Troy's a kick? Yeah, that's a scary-ass episode. I just remember that was one of like the first episodes I ever watched of Next Gen. <laughs> oh, but
1: was it a Season 7 episode?
0: It was Season 7, Episode 6.
1: Interesting, interesting. That must be one of the best episodes of Season 7, because for the most part, Season 7 on Next Gen actually kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird that's the one they won the Emmy for. I mean, like, All Good Things is good, but it's not a good season by and large did you know hollow moriarty was returning i guess i had heard that in the coverage but i'd completely forgotten about it so i was uh i was kind of surprised to see him it was a nice little uh, cameo
0: yeah i mean i knew he was because it was in the whole preview trailer you know that i have to i have to watch no matter yes your compulsion drives you And they made it sound like he was going to be like one of the main bad guys or something like that. So his very short appearance was a little like, okay, they, they just kind of, they they really did just tease us with that, but it, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a
1: red hair, but which I mean, kind of unfortunate because Holland Moriarty is a great character, but yeah, whatever you got, you got to throw out red herrings. That's fine. I guess to switch over to the fleet museum, um, I do have to say just Commodore sounds like an amusing rank for Jordy. That's it, it
0: just sounds funny. Yeah, the name Commodore LaForge, it sounds like, sh- like epic. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I, Commodore LaForge. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we get to see, honestly, it feels like just an entirely new characterization uh, for Jordy. It doesn't feel anything like, to me, the Geordi uh, I remember from the show or the movies. Maybe maybe if I rewatched some stuff, I might see some clues of it, but it just feels entirely New character to me. I think maybe because both the writers and Lavar Burton were kind of uncomfortable with like what a passive incel Jordy was for the most of the <laughs> show. uh So instead, we get him as the kind of like overweening father, and you know, honestly, it worked. Like I enjoyed it. We have you know, Crash has already been a fun character, and we meet Alondra, who's like the one who's better at handling her dad, and that was fun.
0: I think we're, I think this is an ongoing like uh, thorough line here, Bob. We have. Picard, who was never a father, having mm-hmm. the same shit happen to him. We have Riker, who lost a child, was also you know kind of a father, but yearned to be you know, part of the starship type thing and going on and doing adventures. And then you have Commodore LaForge, who fatherhood has obviously changed him and made him more... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what they're maybe, going for with this. Maybe that's just how we're supposed to read it. Is fatherhood has changed him. All they had to do, though, was butcher his whole character. No big deal.
1: Well, again, I mean... Yeah, uh, you know, I love LeVar Burton and Jordy LaForge. is uh, is always been an interesting character, but it was a he was a he was a nerdy incel
0: man. It wasn't yeah. a great character. Like yeah. better, what we have here is probably better. So when um, you so when you start your conversation with the people and say, oh, "I can't decide whether I should give you a hug or a handshake," <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I. D- I did think that there was something, and if there was something I were going to complain about in the writing of this episode besides just all the nostalgia bombing, it's that the conflict between Picard and Geordie does feel pretty forced. It's extremely forced, yes. You're like, I know you need conflict for an episode, I know it just can't be a happy reunion of all your old friends. Like, that doesn't make for good drama. But, eh, I. It, it, they, they, I don't know. They sh- I feel like they should have found another angle. It was it was kind of forced the
0: conflict. Well, we do learn that he has two daughters though, Bob. Not just Crash, but he also has a laundra. Yes, yes. And you know, I'm kind of glad they added another daughter because that gives us another crew member for the Titan show when that happens. So. Yeah, yeah. Exciting, exciting. Nice uh, finally, a. Al-
1: Alondra will cut the strings and stop being just the aide-de-camp to Jordy. I, I do think it's interesting, Matt, that in your uh, your survey of fathers in the Next Generation cast, you forgot another father, which is to say Worf, the man who sired the worst child of all time.
0: And he's the calmest of them all, Bob.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Alexander is not mentioned at all, because both Worf and us would prefer to forget Alexander.
0: All he had to do was abandon the child. <laughs> Hey man. That's the other parallel, Bob, because see now that now that Picard has run into his son, you see all the shit going down. This is just showing if Worf went after Alexander. Worf's pacifist mindset and uh indifference to his son is really
1: something that Picard should take. That would be a good uh, that that would be a good model for Picard. You remember that cartoon where it's like Worf uh basketball shooting his baby into a trash can? Yes. That's the
0: here. <laughs> Speaking of uh, wild
1: callbacks, uh, man, I usually don't like it when they use flashbacks in episodes, but that flashback to Riker in the holodeck on the very first episode of Next Gen Encounter at Farpoint, that was crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, it's like the first time I've ever seen it in widescreen, like the clarity of it all. I guess it's in 4K or some crazy, whatever the new thing is. Just looked looked amazing. Yeah, it looked great. And then the market difference between
1: like you know Jonathan Frakes in nineteen eighty seven and Jonathan Frakes in twenty twenty three, um, it's just crazy, man. I mean, it probably hits me too because I had I had that episode on VHS, and so I watched it a lot. Right. <laughs> so
0: is it is it time to do ship talk? Yeah, but let's talk about these ships for a second because you know I'm I'm not a huge ship guy, and I was able to identify a bunch of these. I thought it was cool they were there. Well, you were able to
1: identify slash the characters identified them
0: for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was able to connect the dots. I was able to say that's the one they're looking at and the one I'm looking at on the screen. <laughs> are you also able to? Uh, are you also able to fit a round uh, peg into a round hole, Matt? Uh, most of the time, yes. <laughs> All right. So the ships, Bob, that I was able to identify. You know that they also pointed out to us very clearly, which I'm fine with. The Defiant. Yes. The New Jersey. Yes. The Enterprise A. Yes, Voyager. Yes, the HMS Bounty. Yes, Jordy's daughter mentions something about Hangar Twelve, which I, I didn't know what that was about. I guess it probably
1: is not the case because they made such a big deal about saying Hangar Twelve, but I thought it was just meant to be the the clo- the Bounty and therefore the Bounty's cloaking device. That that was sort of how I took it. But I saw all of them, right, Bob? all the ships. No, Matt, not not nearly, oh. not nearly. Oh. What else um, was there? <laughs> so the well, I guess you know, obviously defiance from DS Nine, Enterprise A from the movies, Voyager from that show, and then the Bounty from Star Trek Four and Star Trek Three. So New Jersey uh, is not one we've ever actually seen before. Apparently, it's a tribute to the former showrunner who's from New Jersey. But I I didn't go back and rewatch the Scotty episode of Next Generation. But apparently in that episode, Picard and Scotty talk about the New Jersey being a Constitution-class ship, like, you know, the the 1701 Enterprise. So that's it's there as both a tribute and a callback to that Scotty episode.
0: Yeah, there's certain fans that are like bitching that it doesn't have the uh, Strange New Worlds updates to the Constitution-class. Yeah, <laughs> those people are insane and should shut the hell up. <laughs> I agree. It was, it, was all, it was awesome to see the original design the the way most people remember it oh god yeah people are people are
1: insane um so other ships we see the only one of these i actually spotted on my own was we see a katanga class klingon cruiser which is from the original series i did spot that on my own i
0: totally saw that but cannot remember the name of it so i just left it off
1: yeah (laughs) The, these others I, I did not spot and I had to go to Memory Alpha and I would just say kids Memory Alpha is the only reliable source like all these clickbait um, these clickbait like media news sites like are like ooh see the list of like the ships in the episode and it's like none of them have the complete list only Memory Alpha has the complete list
0: legit it's the one I used <laughs> I saw it too I was like this isn't all the ships but maybe Bob won't remember <laughs> You're the one who... I, I didn't even
1: put the ships in the in the list, man. I, yeah, I know,
0: I know, but I thought it was important. We need okay. to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, really I, think, I really think this is going to be a big plot point later on. We'll get to that towards the end of the episode. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I was going to try and rewatch the
1: episode and like, pause to actually see what the other ones were. But I, I didn't I didn't have time to do that, unfortunately. Sorry, listeners. So these are other ships that we definitely see on screen, albeit very fleetingly, and they're not called out. So we definitely see the NX-01, the original Enterprise from the show Enterprise, which I guess is nice, because I was kind of thinking, like, man, I mean, not that you should be a Star Trek Enterprise fan, but if you're a Star Trek Enterprise fan watching this, you're like, where the hell is my ship?
0: Yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> you pretty much gotten the shaft all over, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you should, because that show's terrible.
1: <laughs> I mean, better than Discovery, but still terrible. Then there's a Romulan bird of prey, like, from the original series. And then we see the Excelsior. And then we see a ship that's I we've never seen before, but that's meant to be, like, a post-Star Trek Enterprise pre-original series design called the Pioneer. And then... There's a whole bunch more that are apparently listed in like text screens from last episode and this episode. Are you ready, Matt? Sure, Bob. Go right ahead. All right. So there's an, apparently an Akira class listed.
0: Do you remember what that is? Vaguely, I remember seeing. I remember it. Yes, but give me some info. So. That's like
1: the heavily armed uh, ship from the first contact, like the okay. the, the, the yeah the battle with the Borg. It's the one that's like heavily armored. Uh, has a lot of weapons. This is the one you clued me into. Is that they apparently have the Enterprise D saucer so- section somewhere and at the museum, maybe in Hangar Twelve, Matt? Yeah, maybe in Hangar Twelve. And then I know you remember the Miranda class. Yeah, Miranda. Yeah, yeah. The workhorse of Starfleet, first seen in Star Trek Twelve or Star Trek Star Trek Two, excuse me, Star Trek Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> and then, do you remember what the Nova class is? No. So that's a science ship, and Voyager meets a Nova-class ship that also got transported to the Delta Quadrant, like, late in Voyager. Okay. And then, do you know what the Nebula-class is? Vaguely, yes. That's the one that's, like, a small galaxy class with the weird weird section at the top of the saucer section, and then it doesn't really have the neck, it just has the the kind of nacelles and the lower hull just, like, close in under the saucer section. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so that was a regu- That was a regular in Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I think the first time we saw it was uh, Miles O'Brien used to serve on one called The Phoenix, and the first time we see The Cardassians. The Phoenix? Um, wait a minute. <laughs> n- yeah, yeah. May- well, I mean, that might be a surprise, is that, yeah, Cromwell's uh, Phoenix might be wait <laughs> somewhere here, too. Whoa. And then apparently... Apparently the Stargazer, Picard's old command, is here. And then um, a Saber-class ship. Do you remember what a Saber-class ship is? Uh, no. I feel awful uh, not remember any of these. That's, an, that's another first contact design, whereas the Akira is supposed to be like a battleship. The Saber is supposed to be like a scout ship.
0: Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, I do remember these from uh, Star Trek Armada.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were big in Star Trek Armada. The Akira, the Saber, and I think the Steam Runner was the other big one. Yes, that's correct. And then finally, there are no no steam runners, though, sadly. But finally, there's some ship that's mentioned in text that's called the Lennon Grace, which I didn't have time to look up what that name meant. I'm not sure if it's like a Native American thing or a Russian thing. Not sure. But it's apparently supposed to be a modified form of a class of starship we saw from Star Trek Discovery. Um, not the not the class that Discovery is, but another class of ship we saw in Discovery, early in Discovery in that first episode. But uh, the Lennon Grace was supposed to have been commanded by Uhura and was supposed to have done an exploration in the Lesser Magellanic Cloud. So, like, it was the first ship to do, like, out-of-the-galaxy exploration, which sounds cool, although it kind of doesn't make sense because I don't think we know that, I don't. I don't think we have any indication that, like, starfleet has ever done extra galactic exploration you know because there's that whole like flaming wall around the galaxy that we saw in (laughs) in the original series but anyway it's it's nice that they threw a tribute to to captain uhura into the show yeah that's nice
0: i didn't realize yeah i always forget that she was a captain at some point well we didn't we i mean we didn't know that like it's, it's it's been recent
1: yeah i mean i think some of the I think some of the side books, you know, like some of the the has said it, but it's I don't as far unless I'm totally forgetting something, it's never been confirmed, uh, like in an, on screen or in like an on screen text piece. But yeah, no, very cool, makes sense. That's cool. All right, Bob. Well, thanks for going through all those ships for us. Yeah, yeah. You you opened the box, Matt. I just I just finished the job. You started it, and I finished it. To go back to things that matter, like characters, I, uh, I did enjoy that uh, Picard and Geordi both have the realization at the same moment that they're arguing with each other, and that it's like, no, it's actually our kids who are doing it.
0: Let me just just for the for plot purposes, they took the cloaking device from the HMS Bounty, and they're going to uh-huh. put it on the Titan. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's that was up, that, that they, was their whole plan. Yeah.
1: They got it out of Hangar Twelve, Matt. Allegedly. Allegedly,
0: yes. So allegedly. Yeah, people on Reddit are talking about how, like, the the cloaking device must be plug-and-play. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Like, you just be able to plug it in, like, a USB port. I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, completely dense, so I, I have some idea of what it means. <laughs> and how it didn't require, like, 18 hours of updates when it, they finally did put it in. That, that was well, pretty cool.
1: Matt, we have an explanation for this in-episode from a Wharf quip where he says, my guess, superior Klingon technology. That's what I'm guessing, because that's an old cloaking <laughs> device they steal a cloaking device in one of the romulan episodes of the original series it's the one from season 3 with the female commander i'm blanking on the name i don't think yes. they install it on the enterprise there but then we also see like there's that there is a pretty good season 7 episode of next gen about like a starfleet ship uh, that riker used to serve on called the pegasus like trying a cloaking device and it going wrong but i feel like it works pretty easily and i don't know i, I the, the impression
0: I always got was that cloaking devices are easy to to transfer, like, ship to ship. Okay. I guess they are plug and play. But what was interesting to me, though, too, was this has brought up a lot, a lot of the things. I don't remember who it was that said how many different... Tra- I think maybe it was LaForge. So how many different treaties you've broken doing this? Yeah, yeah. Which which was funny because it brought me back to DS9 where I'm like, he's absolutely right. You have to have a member of the Romulan, Star- uh, their version of Starfleet, on your ship, if you're going to make anything, if you're going to use a clothing device, yeah. I learned that from the Defiant. Yeah,
1: yeah. which i I still sort of, uh, I still sort of wish they they'd had that Romulan be a more important character in DS9. Yeah. I that would have been, been like, way that's...
0: cooler. But yes, I agree. Yeah. but I was thinking, yep, yeah, there's one thing they've not done. Correct, you can write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Matt, speaking of uh, characters, I do have to say that, you know, narratively trading Riker for Data. Bad trade, at least at least for me. I I, I feel like I've made my peace with Data. I, I feel like I've seen him die like three times. I don't really I don't really need to see more of data.
0: But this isn't just data, Bob. This is data to the fourth power. He's got data, lore, Sung, and Lil all hanging lol. out in, lol, lol Lil, why well, I put Lil Lol. All hanging out inside like a single body. Uh, Riker's just a pizza chef, Bob. I mean, but the it, it is expressed that it's still mostly
1: data. It's got, he's got elements of lore, soon, and law, but mostly
0: Data. <laughs> you think they'll, like, smack his head and all just, like, come back together and he'll just be Data?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's, well, <laughs> and the, the hilarious thing is what they, they clearly just figured out the the way around it, because I, as I understand it, Brett Spiner's objection was never to playing Data it was just to the makeup. Oh, (laughs) so it's like, Oh, well, narratively we've written around it. So he doesn't have to wear all that awful makeup anymore. Yeah.
0: We'll make this data age somehow. Kind of like, I guess Picard's body supposed to do as well. Yeah. When they pointed that out, I was like, Oh, I see what they're doing there.
1: Look, this episode was not a bad episode. And also, screw you for calling Riker a pizza chef. That that was the source <laughs> of some great memes in uh, season one, okay? That was some great memes of Riker the pizza chef. Yeah, so this episode was, it wasn't bad. It was it was very entertaining. But I don't know, man, just like all the nostalgia porn and the revival of Data and we're going to steal Picard's corpse. It's too much. It's too
0: much. Oh, Bob, you you must not have caught it. What did I miss, Matt? Oh well, Bob, you didn't catch it in the museum. They also have Kirk's body. <laughs> what?
1: How, how could they have Kirk's body, Matt? It's in it's in the uh, the what do you what
0: you call it? The, it's underneath some rocks on the on that planet. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. He
1: gets out of the cloud. Uh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, you're right. It's buried under some rocks on that point. Yeah, trust right. me. If
0: they could get the whole Enterprise D up, I'm sure they could get Kirk's body up too. Okay, yeah, no. The Nexus. Is, <laughs> the Nexus is
1: what the thing was called. But yeah, all right. Duh, duh. duh. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't stay in the Nexus. Duh. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. If they could ha- If they could salvage the Enterprise D, they could salvage Kirk's body just like they did in those great novels by William Shatner.
0: So what's going to happen, Bob? You think they're trying to resurrect Kirk? Uh. I mean, I know William Shatner would like that. Like a phoenix. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's cringe, bro. That's cringe. And on top of this, Bob, on top of all this, there was also another Genesis device, but it was called Genes- Genesis Device Two. <laughs> You're just making
1: that up, right? That's, no, Bob. That no, no, no,
0: no, no. That was actually in in one of the on one of the screens. Yes,
1: it was on the screen. It was, and was on the Kirk, screen. Was Kirk's body on the screen, or are you just making
0: that up? The actual physical body, no, Bob. But it was talking. It had, there was a layout that had james t kirk and his body like it wasn't oh a, wow you didn't see william shatter you just saw like a you know like a, a red outline of a body type thing you know oh like, i thought you
1: i thought you were messing with me so was that in no, like, Bob. The i'm post- not messing with you
0: this this is legit i th-
1: that was in the post credit scene no bob this was in the show <laughs> in the museum yeah, but just you know how like in that that bit at the end where they they show oh the that part stuff. no
0: they hadn't mentioned that at all no that wasn't in that but most of the stuff that has been in the post credit stuff has already been shown at least a lot of it like it all lines yeah. up like the whole brain thing they were talking they had like they were showing scans of a brain for a while and I'm like what does that have to do and I was like oh yeah Picard has that brain thing but now we know yeah. that it was Jack they were showing that for her, so. yeah man uh, too much too much don't 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 want it. I'm just trying to add to your nostalgia here. It's just we, Yeah, no, We have that's... an opening for Kirk to come back. <laughs> oh god. But will they bring back William Shatner or will they bring back the other dude from uh Stranger Worlds?
1: Uh Paul Wesley. Yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, I guess if they if they're gonna bring him back the way they brought back data, they would have to bring back old fat William Shatner. That would be the that would be the way. I'm sure they <sighs> can CGI him what they did, Mark Hamill. Oh God. This is just it's too much And also screw you for reminding me of the
0: Mandalorian. You're welcome which by the way, I have not watched like I try to watch the first episode of this most recent season and I got through it but then I could not watch anymore so I'm sorry I, uh, that, that show's lost its charm.
1: I I did actually watch the first episode but I was blackout drunk and I don't <laughs> remember anything.
0: Uh, well, well, Bob also, were, you, were you drunk for the end of this episode of the, the end of this episode of Picard?
1: No, although now that you're telling me about the Kirk's body and the Genesis device, I, I might just go pound some, uh, pound some liquor right quick.
0: <laughs> how, about the, um, uh, how about that reveal, Bob, though, at the end?
1: Yeah, so we have a nice little double reveal where, you know, we already basically know that Vedic is a changeling from what we saw her doing with her hand earlier in her monologue at the beginning of this episode. But we get that confirmed, and then we see that apparently she's kidnapped Troy.
0: But did she, or is Troy just another changeling made to look like Troy?
1: I mean, it could be a changeling, but given her whole speech at the beginning about like killing Picard's friends, I mean,
0: why not Troy? So I I don't know. Do you have a problem with all the uh, changeling on changing violence going on in this episode, Bob? Eh, Not especially, not especially. Lots of people are are complaining about it. I'm like, well, I, I get that was like said, but. These changelings have been away from the Great Link for a very long time. Yeah, they're they're go- they're clearly going a little
1: insane from being severed from the Great Link, right? They're a
0: rogue group of changelings. They can
1: shoot whoever they want to. And it's not like Odo who had had never experienced the Great Link until later in his life, you know. Right. Yeah, it's like presumably they were severed from the Link after
0: the Dominion War, so yeah. All right, Bob, so now that we've come to the end of the, uh, the coverage, here I, I do want to ask you something. Did, You're just saying this to hurt me, aren't you, Matt? This is just designed to hurt me. Do, do you want to hear the fan theory about the ships? No, but go ahead and say it. All right, Bob, so the saucer section to Enterprise D with, like, modified nacelles, probably the one from All Good Things, is in Hangar 12, all right? Mm. Mm. Picard is going to captain this ship. Mm. Seven's going to captain the Voyager. Jack's going to captain the Enterprise A because it was mm. his favorite. Remember, he specifically said it was his favorite mm. in Warth the Defiant, Bob. Mm. Why, why would they need to use these ships, Bob? Uh,
1: because the other ships in Starfleet are now wired in despite the strongly worded memo Commodore LaForge sent about it.
0: <laughs> mm. I'm just telling you, that's going to be like you talking about nostalgia. Mm can't get more nostalgic than like a a damn power ranger zord fight in space
1: <laughs> matt if they do this we may make podcast history as i shoot myself in the
0: mouth on air <laughs> would that be i don't know about that sounds like something that's happened before i'm sure but anyway well you know all, all this has
1: happened before will happen again Matt, look man the world's gonna the world's gonna end in nuclear hellfire sooner or later anyway wow might, might might as well make a point <laughs> as
0: I i'm just out. saying with with the setup they offered though i i started reading some of these things and i'm like yeah that kind of does make sense i could see them doing oh, something weird like this
1: oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. it's terrible i yeah. don't like it I don't <laughs> like it. they just, they just oh. set it all up so i mean it could be a maybe it's a red herring again maybe we'll see Oh, so bad. All right, right, but let we've got a character of the week. So uh, my character of the week was Worf. He had the best one-liners this episode. Good one-liners from our boy Worf. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm going
1: to have to give it to the kids, though. If you described the fact that, oh, the show is going to heavily focus on LaForge's two daughters and Picard's unknown son named Jack, I would be like, oh, God, this season is going to suck and these characters are going to suck. But, you know. Actually, they're all, uh, they're all pretty fun. I enjoy them. Like, they're good characters. Even though Jack has this cheesy mystery about the Red Door that I don't care about, and even though, as you tell me, there's probably a good chance that he's going to wind up captaining the Enterprise A, you know, I still like Jack and the Little Forge girls. Oh,
0: all right, Bob. So, next week... I, I I'm so drained Matt You, you. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's drained after that that poor theory so anyway, next week we'll be returning to our Copenhagen Cowboy coverage to go along with Picard season three episode seven Hope I need to see it you there I need a show <laughs> that's not just
1: drenched in nostalgia that's not being like oh what if we what if we combined Power Rangers and Star Trek
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Matt you sign us off I'm too weak too thank you for listening and uh we'll see you next week